Welcome to a special episode of the Nick's State of Mind podcast. I'm Chip Murphy, and this is a special episode because it's my first episode as a host. And because I'm hosting for the first time, I needed a great guest. And I couldn't imagine starting with anyone other than this guy, uh, a great friend, uh, someone I've known for a long time. We worked together at Elite Sports NY. Uh, The first person that I texted when I figured out I was going to kind of take the ball and run with it here on this show was Colin Loring. And I couldn't imagine starting with anyone other than Colin. Yeah. I totally just spaced and forgot to list all of your accomplishments. And all we don't things, have enough time for that, all the Chip. things we you don't do, have enough but time for that. I just, I, I just realized that. Uh, but thanks for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely, man. I forgot to mention this a minute ago. Uh, this was the first podcast that I ever came on. So obviously, I'm here to to see it through and, and sustain the survival. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I need all the help I can get. Absolutely. So I really appreciate you coming on. But uh, we need to start by talking about the Sam Darnold trade. Because I'm a Jets fan. You're a Panthers fan. This connects us. And we almost never talk about football on this show especially because i'm a jets fan so why would we ever want to talk about football yeah and it makes sense but this trade connects us and i want to know what you think of getting sam Darnold on your team well i'd start by saying you know if anybody's unfamiliar uh the jets traded into the panthers for a 2021 sixth round pick and then a second round and fourth round pick in 2022 so three draft picks going back to Mm -hmm. new york um, I'm to understand that we have Carolina has multiple six round picks this year. So that's not as much a, a big deal as that second in uh, 2022. Um, I don't know. I mean, 23, how old is he? 23. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and the NFL is not necessarily my forte, but I don't doubt that players have started off rough, you know, under 25 and ended up being something, particularly quarterbacks. I'm sure that's not you know an anomaly if it was to happen, you know, this year in Carolina, uh, I'm not, I don't know how to look at this season. You'd probably be better off telling me this past season with the Jets, but uh, typically when a team, they won two games. Am I right? I, two or three. I don't when know. It, when a team I, has been I, that I, bad, I don't so typically, terrible. yeah, I don't typically try and completely blend the quarterback. So I look back to the year before and I looked at his stats. A strong season that year, you know, largely uh, 62% completion, 19 touchdowns, 13 picks, two rush touchdowns. Uh, 232 yards per game, and he went over 3,000 yards on the year. Uh, Jets finished 7-6. and six. Uh, The point of that exercise was I was trying to figure out if we really upgraded. Like, if we got that Sam Darnold, is he better than Teddy Bridgewater? Like, there's a timeline piece to it because he is younger, uh, and, and he hasn't uh, torn his ACL, you know. Uh, but Bridgewater this season was 69% completion, 15 touchdowns, 11 picks. He did have five rushing touchdowns. Uh, 250 yards per game, and he threw for over 3,700 yards. Uh, but we did go 4-11, uh, but I am here to defend uh, that record with the, with the subtle, subtle stat that six of those 11 losses were decided by seven points or less. Uh, so we were, we were competitive despite what the 4-11 says. Uh, but they clearly don't think that Bridgewater is the guy, uh, and I, I, I didn't think he was either, you know, watching the, watching the games, especially towards the end of the year. Um, so I'm – Assuming that Darnold is going to be a starter, barring anything crazy happening on uh, draft night. Uh, so it looks like Sammy D will be the starter down in Carolina for this upcoming season. Sammy D. Yeah, their social media would suggest that he's going to be the starter for sure. They've definitely. I'm curious to how long that deal was already like yeah. put together because the tweets just rolled out. They had that like, ready to go. Yeah. As Adam Schefter was like reporting, it was like seconds apart. Like they, somebody in the. Panthers social media team is a closet Jets fan or something. I don't know. It was weird. Yeah, they had they had him ready to go. And look, there's a, a lot of Jets fans who are big, who are high on Sam Darnold, and I totally wish Sam Darnold the best. Adam Gase is maybe the worst coach in NFL history, so he definitely held Sam back. I don't know if I see Sam Darnold being a franchise quarterback, but the fact that he has Robbie Anderson there in Carolina 
is going to be huge for him because they were great. That was his favorite target. And letting Robbie Anderson go was the maybe the most mind-boggling move that was made during the Jets' tenure there. So I think that's going to be huge to have Robbie Anderson there. But uh, Yeah, uh, so it looks like in 2018-19, which is the same season that I cited a minute ago, mm-hmm. Sam Darnold to Robbie Anderson. All right, these are the numbers. Yeah. 88 completions on an 88.5 completion percentage, mm-hmm. 1,300 yards, and 11 touchdowns. He threw him uh, – he, he completed 21 passes to Robbie uh, 20 or longer yeah. yards. So yeah, and then I, they just let him and go. And Robbie had a great season with us last year. So I think, yeah, it's somewhat of a – we have Joe Brady as well. Um, and a lot of times, I think in football, it's more of a – the guys in the box matter a lot more as opposed to like the NBA and the, and the coaches on the bench. But Brady's going to really be able to at least help Darnold make some improvements. And it'll be a, a pleasantry, you know, and a, and a luxury for him to be able to play in an actual offensive system, I think, you know. Again, I haven't watched too much of the New York Jets, but my understanding is Lucky when a team you. is that bad, yeah, yeah typically uh, the, the systematic – you know, side of it is is a big part of it, and that being an issue. So I think Darnold will, will definitely benefit from having some, not only Robbie Anderson, but DJ Moore, uh, some vetted wide receiver types. Uh, we did lose Curtis Samuel to Washington, unfortunately. Uh, but no, yeah, I'm look, everybody blew up my phone uh, because I am the Carolina Panthers guy in Baltimore. So everybody blew up my phone, yeah. and I just sent everybody the same text, and it was three letters, M-E-H, meh. I don't, I'm not pissed. I'm not upset. I'm just going to hold out and see what happens. No, I mean, Darnold definitely wasn't done any favors by the Jets, like many quarterbacks before him. But I think it was best for both sides to move on. I think new coach, I, I think the Jets bringing in Zach Wilson is probably looks like he's going to be the guy. It's, it's best for them to, to move on and start over with someone else. So Yeah, with, and I'm, I'm pretty happy that uh, the Panthers moving on is starting with someone else. And that someone else is not currently in the middle of a countless number of sexual, you know, harassment oh my allegations. God. A lot of teams I was, dodged that, huh? I was legitimately concerned for a moment that we were going to continue pursuing Deshaun Watson. Um, but I think as, as the allegations began stacking up and, and becoming more legitimate, uh, they backed out. I know that Nike and, and Beats both uh, withdrew their stuff today. We, yeah, it took them long enough, but they finally did. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, hey, we were in on Matt Stafford. Uh, they didn't like our – we offered the eighth pick in this year's draft for Matt Stafford, uh, among other things. Uh, and the Lions ultimately sent him to the Rams because I think that's his preferred spot. Uh, we were in on Deshaun Watson until uh, the skeletons in his closet came dancing out. So we pivoted and we got the next best available quarterback because, believe it or not, I think the pool is that shallow. Um, so, hey, I mean, they had to because uh, Teddy wasn't getting it done, you know. Yeah, he wasn't getting it done. Now, I think we're going to transition into the Knicks here. Yeah, we're gonna, uh, we want to talk about their record since the All-Star break. Yeah, we were uh, – I don't know about you, Colin, but we were a little concerned about their perceived – you know, they had one of the most difficult schedules in the NBA yeah, in the second half of the season. And, and they still do. And they the still do. the season. Yeah, they still do. And – you know, they're 6-8 and eight since the All-Star break. They've maintained that top-five defense. They've beaten the teams they were supposed to beat. Yeah, uh, save that horrible Minnesota loss that I don't think we either of us want to talk about. But I'd almost argue they should have beaten the Nets. Uh, once James Harden was ruled out of that game, Kyrie Irving shouldn't be enough to put you down. And I, I don't know. I think on paper, you're, right, probably, but- you're probably politically correct on paper. Right, but, I mean, the Nets have significantly more talent than the Knicks, don't you think? Even without – I mean, maybe not significantly, but even without James Harden. Without James Joe Harden, Harris, and people don't talk about that enough. Still, somehow, even after he got that huge deal. So, I guess who was – and Jeff Green, you know, just finally finding the, the perfect role for himself, you know, in Brooklyn. Who knew that all he needed was, like, four future Hall of Famers? And then he would just thrive – you know, in his situation. What is their record since the All-Star break? Six and eight. Yeesh. Well, it's better than some people thought it would be. They've maintained being a 500 team. Yeah, I'm just thinking we could at least be seven and seven, yeah, without that uh, Minnesota loss. Yeah. That's unfortunate. That game was fucking frustrating. Thoughts I mean, on tonight's game seed. against the Celtics? It's in Boston. I think, 
they can easily win that game. Celtics I think it's like a winnable shit. game. Yeah, it's Celtics nothing that like shit. Celtics. Nobody's calling played. it a win on paper. Yeah, know, but uh, I wouldn't hate that. Yeah, I mean, I I don't see why anyone would have any confidence in the Celtics right now. Yeah, nobody should. Uh, yeah, and I think uh, I think the Knicks have some momentum. Like you said, six and eight from the All Star break, they're two plays away from being seven and seven, maybe eight and six. Uh, if that if that Randall jumper, you know, would have went in, maybe we get a overtime and pull out a miraculous win over a blazing hot Kyrie Irving. Uh, I think they still have some momentum right now in that they are still winning games, you know, albeit few and far in between. Uh, they've got 25 wins, right? Is it 25? 25 and 26, right? Yeah, yeah, beautiful. Yeah. And what was the Vegas line, 22 and a half? 22 and a half or 21 and a half? I think it was 22. I think it was 22, yeah. Yeah. So, hey, I mean, they're 25 and 26. You know, what is that, uh, 51? They got 21 games to go. Uh, you know, they're going to finish on the on the right side of this, no matter what happens. And I, I think, was it Bondi who pointed it out, saying that, you know, the stretch is going to be tough, and no matter what happens, you know, we just can't let it uh, quantify the Knicks season. Uh, because it has been a, a good year, you know, for the Knicks. And we finally started to see some of the stuff that we've been begging for, you know, for three, four, five years now as far as development and, and competence, you know, at least on the defensive end of the basketball. Um, Thibodeau is, is exactly, you know, who, uh, who we thought he was going to be. Yeah. There's, I mean, they're a top five defense. They've maintained being a top five defense throughout the season. And In what a, a bottom five pace. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Characteristically. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, I mean, the offense you assume as they add better players is going to pick up, but, it's hard to – I think it's hard to have anything close to, like, a top 10 defense when you have so few guys who can create their own shot and score their own on their own shot. I think it's really hard, no matter how good the coach is. Yeah, but, yeah, no, and, and the biggest win for them this season will be, you know, all-star. Uh, at one point was was all-NBA, I think, and but I think that ship has sailed at this point. Uh, Julius Randle's development, I think, will be the biggest win of this season, obviously. Uh, no yeah. record, no nothing is going to – no playoff berth is going to top that. Uh, maybe a playoff series win is the only thing that could probably top Julius Randle's development as the biggest thing from this season. His development's definitely the biggest thing of this season. But I don't know if – has All-NBA really sailed on Julius Randle this year? I think, I think his numbers have dipped a little bit. I'm not entirely confident in that. I don't have that uh, – I don't have anything to go off of. But uh, – Maybe. I think it's also a thing where the Knicks – people aren't looking at Randall as much anymore, you know, with the Knicks kind of slowing down as far as win rate. I guess uh, the Knicks would have to finish pretty high in the standings for him to get all NBA. Yeah, yeah, and right now they're seventh seed, which they are only two games back of the fourth seed, you know, yeah. I'm inclined to mention. And that's the roller coaster Atlanta Hawks. So, who knows, you know, they could dip again. I don't know if uh, that new coach high can last for the rest of the season. Uh, and then who's in front of them? It's the, uh, the fifth and sixth seed. The Heat and the, the Celtics are eighth. Heat the Hornets, Hawks. yeah. And I don't think – they just lost Gordon Hayward, so I think they're going to dip too. So I think Hornets if they can string together dip. a run here, yeah, the Hornets are going to dip, and they should. Uh, they own their first-round pick. Yeah, I'm, I'm positive. So they should dip uh, and, and make the most of that. Um, with Lamelo and, and Gordon out, um, so yeah, Knicks have an opportunity. We'll see if they can uh, make the most of it. They do still have the six hardest remaining schedule uh, per Tankathon. You just want to get a top six seed. You're just trying desperately to stay out of that plan. Yeah, and even if they went into the plan, I'm not sure who I'd really be afraid of as the Knicks. Um, I tell you, I'm not afraid of Boston. I like I like a Boston matchup for us, and I'm sure they'll go and, and lose by 40 tonight. Now that I said that, <laughs> um, I don't. I'm not afraid of the Bulls. You know, I've I've watched a lot of Bulls basketball. Unless they continue what has been two you know miraculous uh, wins over Brooklyn and Indiana here recently, I don't think that that's anybody they should worry about. Um, and then the Pacers. I mean, the Pacers are as iffy and as wishy washy as as anybody else. You know. Uh, I'm not worried about a playing tournament, but obviously you want to avoid it, you know, at all costs. Uh, Randall plays, you know, 600 minutes a night. There's no need to put him through a tournament before he goes into a playoff series. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 
Randall is Macri was talking about that on his podcast today. Randall's first in uh Randall and RJ are first and second in second half minutes, minutes. played, yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. It's I mean you ideally you want to get these guys as much of a breather as you possibly can, but I agree with you that there's no one really to be afraid of in the East outside of Philly, Brooklyn, and to a lesser extent, I think Milwaukee. Yeah. Yeah. I, those are the only three teams that I well, – Miami. I don't – You think they're on that tier? I think Miami's in that tier, and I think they've been a sleeper, you know, as far as being in that tier for this entire season. They, they did have some COVID stuff at the beginning of the year, uh, and based on all accounts that I've read, you know, it really can. Uh, kind of derail you. You know, we saw what happened with Westbrook in the bubble last year. Uh, I'm trying to think of other examples, but there have been other guys. I'm blanking. There have been other guys who've been affected, and, and it takes time. And they just got Victor Oladipo, and I think that he's going to find somewhat of a groove. He's been pretty good for them. Uh, the shooting numbers are still uh, pretty god-awful. But, you know, defensively, and he's uh, he's made for a nice pass or two for them. will help, you know, guys like Jimmy and, and Bam, obviously. Uh, I think Eric Spolstra is far from done, you know, with the team this season. I think that they're a surefire playoff team, uh, and that's nobody that I'd want to play as the Knicks in a, in a first-round series. That's the kind of momentum-building matchup that Miami would make a run to the Eastern Conference Finals after, you know, sweeping New York. I can't uh, – I'd rather not. The Eastern Conference Finals, the Heat, really? It's not impossible. So, I mean, yeah, what if they finish as a top four seed? Yeah, no, I I guess you're right. They've, I mean, like you said, they've been banged up and stuff. And it's just, it's not, there are so many people who are, you know, third eye woke about the bubble and what that did for Miami last year. That's all bullshit. Miami is a good team. Jimmy Butler is a, I'll say safe and censored top 15 player in the NBA. Uh, Bam Adebayo is probably a top five pick in the NBA. It wasn't some magic. You know, it wasn't Mike's magic stuff that they were sipping down in Orlando. Like, they went to the finals for good reason, and they would have made that a series if they were healthy. Um, and their their roster personnel hasn't changed much, you know, in light of that. I don't love that they got rid of a Linux for Oladipo. I understand why they did it. But uh, – and I know you're a big big KO guy. Uh, Kelly Olenek? Yeah. I like Kelly Olenek. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I know. And I, I think he's, he's a big piece for them. And I think that's probably the biggest loss uh, for their roster. That and not getting LaMarcus Aldridge. Uh, I think they signed Dwayne Deadman, which I was worried was no pun intended, dead man. Um, yeah. He hasn't played in a year, too, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> which, you know, Miami and players who haven't played in a year typically go hand in hand. So, yeah. Um, It'll be interesting. I, I wouldn't count Miami out. That's all I'm saying. And that's definitely the last one of four teams that I wouldn't want to play if I was the Knicks. But I tell you what, I like I like the Knicks winning one game, maybe two games against uh, either of Brooklyn or I want to say Philadelphia. I don't know about Milwaukee. You think they have a better chance against Brooklyn and Philly than Milwaukee? I do. I do because uh, – Giannis always plays so well against us. I don't like that. And I don't like that in the playoffs. And I don't like playoff Chris Middleton, which is a very real thing. What about uh, playoff Giannis? That's a very real thing it is, that, Tibbs that's fair. Can, that Tibbs can prepare for. That's fair. Uh, but they also have Drew Holiday now. And I don't – we think our point guard stuff is bad now. Like, that's the last thing we Oh, need. yeah. 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 You want to see Reggie Bullock shoot 20% in a playoff series? Like, let's go play the Bucks. Well, you, you bring up Reggie Bullock and shooting 20%, and I know you want to talk about him. Because yeah, he's not guy. shooting 20%. Because he's not <laughs> shooting 20% right now. I know you want to do – I have in my notes, I was telling you before, Colin takes a victory lap about Reggie Bullock. So do you yeah, want, it's, so, so talk about your boy. I love Reggie Bullock, man, and I was supposed to. I'm, I'm lazy as shit. I had words that I got about halfway on and ended up ditching, but uh, Bullock has made a good turn this year. Uh, with the Knicks, and I know somebody said it on one of uh, Macri's hosted clubhouses, like, Bullock is a guy that was, you know, almost in an Alfred-like box with Knicks fans last year, Mm -hmm. Um, and he's completely come around. His two-man game with Julius is absolutely fucking lethal, but last five games, so he was injured, he was out for the two games. Uh, So the five games since he returned, he's averaging 14 points and shooting 46% from three. 
he's made 17 out of 37 uh, from deep. And I think uh, 11 out of like 21 in the last two games. But uh, in that five game span, only 11 more play, only 11 players are averaging more than 3.4 threes per game. And only six have made more than his 17 threes. Uh, so he's obviously in the middle of a pretty good hot streak. I uh, hope it continues tonight. Uh, he's shooting 40% on the season. He's almost made 100 threes. He's at 97. Uh, I threw basketball reference and just put some quantifiers in. Uh, qualified players, 203-point attempts, minimum 75 made. Um, he is the 19th out of what is 64 players in percentage and around the middle, around uh, 15th or 16th in three-point makes. So he's having a good season. Uh, it sucks because it probably means he's going to get a bag in the off season that the Knicks aren't going to be paying. Uh, but everybody loves three point shooting and defense. You know, that's, that always goes top dollar. I feel like. Is he really going to get paid that much money? You think off of one year? I mean, I, he is only 30 years old, so I guess he's only 30. Uh, I think that he's done as much, not as much, but when you want a great contract, like contributors on the Knicks this year and, and, and their reasons for improvement, I think he's been a top three contributor, obviously, to, to what they've established and accomplished. And that kind of thing doesn't go unnoticed. Um, and I also think it depends on what the Knicks want to do in the offseason. You know, I, I'm not saying that he's going to get a huge, you know, contract, but it's likely going to be more than they want to spend. I don't think that he's that important to their, you know, what they see themselves looking like next season, at least from a front office standpoint. It's such a fluky year, though. I feel like it'd be a, a big risk to give him money. Like, and you look at like, but there's also nobody. I mean, who are you going to pay? So teams with cap space, who are they going to pay? They'll always be able to justify paying a forty percent three point shooter who can play above average defense. Right, but you look at like giving huge money to these gunners. It's like look at the Washington Wizards with Davis Bertans. You know that contract's going to bite them in the ass someday you could argue it oh already yeah is. well he's, he's nowhere yeah. near that i'm i just want to clarify i'm talking like maybe 10 million a year yeah and i think i no, think he I could get he could get 10 or 11 i think i don't think that's a stretch uh, yeah. like you said he's only 30 um cap space teams like he would be good on the hawks right like they need both of those yeah. things pretty badly uh they'll have some cap space i don't know exactly how much they kind of threw their whole cap sheet for a loop this year uh Maybe he gets the three-year deal, three-year twenty-seven deal from someone, from like yeah. maybe from like the Hawks or something. Yeah, and would I pay him ten million dollars a year? Absolutely, you know. But yeah. uh, unfortunately, the Knicks, as always, will likely be you know prioritizing their cap space to an extent, and number two, potentially have their eyes on some bigger guys, whether I think it be that's through the, trade or yeah, overpaying someone like Lonzo Ball. But well, oh, you want to talk about Lonzo Ball? <laughs> I'm good on that. And as soon as as soon as I mentioned the name, I was like, "Whoop!" Wish I could have that one back. But that's a prime example. I mean, that's somebody that you know they very well. And and look, I'm not. I've said some things, and that maybe I've kind of come to see the light a little bit about uh, about Lonzo Ball. But okay. the point being, that's the perfect trap for. And overpay. And I'm not trying to dumb down or water down what he would bring to the Knicks, but that is grade A, like we're going to overpay him $8 million a year just because we don't want New Orleans to match. And now, you know, what do we have left that we can use? Um, that's where you lose a guy like Reggie because you, you're overpaying somebody that much, a restricted free agent like Lonzo. Right, but you lose a lesser player to get a better player, though. That's what. No, for that's what sure, happens. and that's fine. Yeah, I'm just trying to project, you know, Bullock's future with us and and what that looks like as far as what they're going to be willing to give him. And I think that's okay. kind of where it starts. Is you know, are they in on Lonzo or not? And that's because that's going to be the big fish of the offseason. I mean, you know, Hollinger said today in his latest that you know Demar Derozan is going to have a wide field. I don't doubt oh, that they would want to give Demar like a big three year deal, um, but that's another guy. You know, other than those two. Um, he pretty much said today that even if, you know, Leonard declines his player option, he's just going to resign. A wide um, field. What does that mean? A wide field. He's a wide field of suitors. So I bet you, I, I would say at least half the, half the teams in the NBA will inquire and see what, what he's I'll looking inquire. at. Yeah. 
Well, they, I mean, they're going to reach out. They're going to see what the number looks like. And it's because it's like, hey, it's, it's DeMar DeRozan. Like, he is who he is. Let's see what the number is to bring him in. If the number's this way and we don't like it, if the number's this way, more this way, then, yeah, we like it and we'll, we'll throw an offer out there and they either bite or they don't. You know, it's and it's also I'm sure that DeRozan wouldn't consider going to half of those teams, but you never know. Yeah, Gordon Hayward ended up in Charlotte. You know, stranger things have happened. It's well, no one's going to give DeRozan a hundred million dollars, are they? I don't see that coming, but I wouldn't rule that out. Oh, maybe he's going to be looking for a max like contract. Seriously, I mean, how many guys? How many guys are averaging twenty five and five? Uh, yeah, I guess that's a probably less than fifteen, right? I would say, I would say confidently, uh, yeah. less than fifteen guys are averaging twenty-five and five. He's doing it largely, you know, pretty efficiently, Maybe. and he's coming out of a. He's playing for the Spurs right now. Like, who in the NBA doesn't want a Spurs player? I don't care if it is Demar Derozan, and there's some kind of you know thing but around if, his name. Isn't it like a, a an elite organization thing? Like, if an elite organization lets a guy walk, isn't that a red flag? I suppose. Uh, I mean, it's also no one's going to blame them, though. But I think it's going to be looked at differently because the Spurs are settling into this core of guys that they've got now. Uh, they almost made the playoffs. They almost will make the playoffs. They may make the play-in. I'm not sure exactly where they're at right now. Uh, yeah. So DeRozan's averaging at least twenty-one seven and four. There's eight players doing that right now. Eight guys. Okay. So, yeah, he's going to be looking at a max contract because um, six of those guys, Hollinger notes, I'm looking at it right now, six of those guys are on max deals. Uh, DeRozan is one that is not, and Luca is on his rookie deal. From who? A max deal from who? I don't DeRozan. know. DeRozan. The Knicks? Okay. Oh, God. I'm saying that that's what he's going to be looking for, though. So it's, it's something of, you know, how close can he get to that while simultaneously uh, pairing that with getting to a place where he wants to go and where he can potentially win. Uh, and I, I don't know where DeRozan's at. I mean, he's won, you know, 50 games in a season, you know, seven, eight, nine times yeah. now. I don't know if he's a guy that feels like his window's closing to, to be able to contribute and, and get a championship. I don't think so. I think he's still got plenty of years left. How old is he? 32, I want to say. I think he's 32. Yeah, we're going to fact check. Yeah, he's – I mean, what's the – Yeah, we'll look – we're both looking that up at the same time. But, no, but what's the contending team that's like, oh, I'm miss, we're missing a DeMar DeRozan? I can't – I would counter and ask you which contending team isn't going to reach out and see what he's doing as far as, like, money-wise and, and what he wants to play. You think Miami wouldn't throw him a one-year deal if they were able to get off uh, – You're talking about max contracts. Yeah, I guess, but – Contenders aren't giving out max contracts for one. So okay. it's the, And Miami just traded for Oladipo. So in this scenario, Oladipo's out and DeRozan's replaced. That's fine. They've also been rolling Oladipo out at point guard. Oh, but with Butler and Oladipo and DeRozan. And I'm not saying it's a fit. I'm just throwing out names, right? Like, if you're going to ask me which contender wants to have DeMar DeRozan, I'm literally going to challenge you and ask you. Because you shift the argument when it's when when you isolate contenders because no longer are we talking max contracts. We're talking the opportunity to win and make some chunk like nice chunk of change. Okay, so now we're talking one year prove it deals. One year prove it deals, two years, like a one plus one, maybe. One plus one, yeah. I could see DeRozan doing a one plus one if it means he gets to go somewhere that he knows is a playoff team and, and he's got some guys that he's playing with that are talented enough to where they can make a run. Um I don't know one one playoff team right now that doesn't or wouldn't want DeMar DeRozan in some sort of fashion. I would challenge you to to legitimately come up with one. And I'm going to pull up the standings really quick because we're going to be thorough and we're going to be accurate. Um, and I'm not a DeMar DeRozan homer by any means, but it's just at some point the slander gets to be a little much and we've got to sit back and rewind and remember not who this guy is. Him, not slandering him at all. No, 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 I'm saying it's the general process, the, the general thought, the general thinking. I think the general feel around NBA fans and, and a lot of, um, you know, other folks that – I don't know. I've heard Andre Drummond stuff. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, God, that's, how not, much does that's DeRozan, not an accurate comparison at all. How much does DeRozan, you know, affect winning? So 76ers, yes, they would 
of course, take Marta Rosa. Mm, I think they're saving up for a, for a bigger star. That's fine. Brooklyn Nets, they, they'll take anybody. Uh, Milwaukee Bucks, yes. Hawks, absolutely. Hornets, I would think so. Miami, depending upon the Victor Oladipo situation, because it does get funky at that point, I agree. Uh, the Knicks, absolutely. They'll take anybody with a household name. Boston Celtics, uh, yes, I think they would. They don't want to get a star big man, apparently. So they obviously don't care about the center position. So I think they'll just continue upgrading one through four. Uh, the Pacers are a ninth seed. Maybe, th- maybe that's the one you could tell me that really wouldn't know what to do if they had to or if they were going to bring in DeMar DeRozan. I have to pay, think the Pacers know what to do with the team they have now, much exactly. less what they would know. And that more so, yeah, and that definitely uh, yeah. that's definitely a factor. And then out in the West, you've got the Jazz. Maybe there's one. I don't know about DeMar on the Jazz. Uh, the Suns, I could even see uh, talking themselves into that. The Clippers, absolutely. The Nuggets, I think, yes. Uh, the Lakers, absolutely. The Trailblazers, maybe there's another sticky fit. Uh, Dallas would no doubt love to have uh, DeRozan. Memphis, I'm sure. Dylan Brooks is, you know, basically uh, less efficient to Mar DeRozan anyway. Spurs, no, they're the ninth seed. So, out of all those teams, did you hear one that realistically would just be like, "Holy shit, what are they thinking if they brought in Demar Derozan?" Can I say one thing about DeMar Maybe DeRozan? the Jazz. Before Maybe the we, Jazz. The one thing that's always kind of had me like, man, on him has been that his teams have always been worse when he's on the court. He, he always has a negative net rating every single year. That's Is that always, true in Toronto? Every single year of his career. Yeah, except one. Except his third year. Okay. It's, it's just weird. It's just weird. He has that, a negative. That is weird. Negative on-off for like every single year of his career. It's just, it's just bizarre that it's like that. Yeah. It is really weird. Yeah. And I'd also, you know, I'd say, I guess, cause the number's off, you know, there's going to be some filtration from Toronto with Lowry's on, but it's again, it's, it's too wide. Uh, the teams were so good. It, it was just weird. But uh, of the teams you just named, I mean, look, obviously he's going to make, he's not going to make any team. <laughs> Look, he's not going to make any team worse, obviously. So, yeah, I, I think a lot of these teams would welcome him on. It's, I think he's a fit with pretty much every team that you mentioned. Like, all these, obviously the Jazz, you mentioned the Jazz is possibly a team that may not. I think Portland and Utah are the outliers because I'd have trouble seeing that. I'd have to see what it looks like. Is CJ still there? You know, is did they bring back Conley in Utah? Uh, yeah, the that's the thing that could he replace Conley if Conley does something unforeseen with his contract, which I don't think he will. But well, I think the idea too is if he can go somewhere where he doesn't have to handle the ball as much, I think that'd be best. Conley uh, or DeRozan? DeRozan. Oh, I think he's doing pretty well with the ball. I with think the Spurs young guys. I don't know. It's different when you're going to play with big boys and, and look at a championship. You know? Yeah. I don't know. I like a, I like point forward DeRozan. I like this version of him. Obviously, he's not going to be able to handle the ball this much on a better team. On his next team. Most likely, yeah. yeah. But no, I, like, I like this version of him. The, when he was, like, making threes at the beginning of the year, I was like, oh, shit, DeMar DeRozan. I was all about it. I was all <laughs> in on three-point DeRozan. I was like, ah, that's, that's too bad that that wasn't, a, that wasn't a thing. I really wish that was a thing. Yeah. <laughs> That, that it was nice. it was yeah. very briefly, yeah. Yeah, it was a not exactly a legit thing. Demar Derozan's three point shooting, but uh, it, yeah. Well, there we go. There was our one big uh, fall off the path. Oh yeah, but we took a a little sidetrack. Not not a surprise on this show. Yeah, not even remotely. No, not at all. I'll have but, to go back and listen to see exactly how we fell down that rabbit hole. I don't but, even uh, remember. Yeah, but uh, you wanted to talk some some more Knicks. Would you say Obi Toppin and Kevin Knox? Yeah, I want to talk Obi Obi Toppin. And, what are you hosting the show now? Jesus. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, we do want to talk Obi Knox. I want. Well, I wanted you to talk Obi Knox because I know you're a big fan of both guys. Yeah, so I would challenge you. Like, uh, what is your what what promoted this or provoked this process of thought that you wanted to talk about this? 
Well, I see a lot of people on Nick's Twitter complaining about uh, Kevin Knox not getting playing time over Obi Toppin when Obi Toppin struggles. And then there's, you know, there's, I mean, not a lot, but there are people who want Kevin Knox to play. No, I've heard it for sure. And um, I'm not, yeah, I agree. You know, it's not necessarily as much an Obi Toppin versus Kevin Knox thing as much as it is like, you know, I. I they kind of made it that though. Yeah, uh, yeah. And it's just, it's hilarious to me because Knicks fans will always find something to cry about. Yeah. I can't imagine living or just even having the mindset of watching this team as they are and being concerned about Kevin Knox and Obi Toppin and what their roles are, given the fact that the Knicks are actually winning and and kind of making strides. You know, the Alfred Payton thing is, is another thing, right? But – for this to be, you want to the, talk about Alfred Payton? We can talk about Alfred Payton. I'm, oh yeah, I'm, I'm perfectly good on that. There's, there's <laughs> been enough. Um, Quickly struggling, which you, I don't know how, I don't know how you feel about that because I know how big an Alfred Payton fan you are. Alfred Payton, yeah, <laughs> love him. that's the next T-shirt jersey. Um, no, so I told you before we started the show, I was going to do this, and I'm interested to see how you do. I pulled up. Obi Toppin and Kevin Knox's per 36 numbers, and I pulled up their season highs. I'm going to pick out a couple of them. I'm going to throw two of them at you, and I'm going to ask you to tell me which one is which. All right? It's either okay. Obi Toppin or Kevin Knox. Small sample size, you can do 50. You got a 50% shot. All right. Per 36 minutes. Thirteen point one points, 12.9 points. Oh, my God. <laughs> Almost identical, huh? <laughs> Which is a part, of the, a part of the point that I'm trying to make. In the grand wow. Of things. Who, I guess uh, I'll so the say – The question is, yeah, who's, who's averaging more points for 36 minutes? I'll say Obi's averaging 13.1, Knox 12.9. You're 1-0. Okay. All right. Season highs. All right. Mm-hmm. One of the guys has gotten six rebounds in a game. One of the guys has gotten five rebounds in a game. Which is which? Oh, my God. I'm going to say Knox got six and Obi got five. Two and oh. <laughs> Let's go. All right. It's, all right. So it's time for the heat check. Here's the heat check. One of them has played 31 minutes this season. One of them has played oh. 26. Knox and that's the, the season 31. high. Knox yeah. is the third one. Yeah. Three and oh. There's no way Obi's played 31 minutes. <laughs> All right, let me see if I can't find another good one. Looking for more Knox and Obi stats now. <laughs> no, I've got them all pulled up. I'm trying to think what would be a little tougher. Okay, uh, let's see. Season high. Three turnovers, two turnovers. Who leads? Just based on the way they play, I'm going to say Knox has turned the ball over more. Eh. No. Let's go. I got him. Yeah. Toppin has had three turnovers in a game this season. That's his season high. Knox has had two. There we go. Three and one. Let's see about this. All right. Um, No, that's too easy. Let's go back to per 36. I like this better. 0.8 steals, 0.8 blocks. 0.7 steals, 0.5 blocks. Oh, my God. Who is who? I don't know. 0.8 steals, 0.7 steals? Is that what you said? Yeah. Say it again. 0.8 steals, 0.7 steals. I mean, neither one of them is doing anything on defense. So I guess I'll say Knox gets more steals. Point eight. No, Incorrect. oh man, incorrect. God. Yeah, it's uh, Obi is averaging point eight steals and point eight blocks per thirty six minutes. That's his claim to fame. How many do you have? How many blocks and steals they have in total on the season up there? I don't. Let me, I'm gonna bring that up while you're looking. <laughs> I just I'm interested to see how many blocks Obi has. All right, last one. Just give me a guess if you're within 10. Uh, you can't go over, though, all right? 
How many more minutes has Obi Toppin played than Kevin Knox this season? How many more than Kevin Knox? Yeah. What's the disparity? You can be within 10, but you can't go over. 100. No. He's played uh, 47 more minutes. That's it. Toppin's played 480 minutes so far. Knox has played 433. So neither one of them. It's really – Okay. So the OB versus Knox thing, your point is, what's the fucking point? (laughs) Thus being the point. Let this discourse end. Yeah. I mean, okay, now I have their, yeah, 480 minutes and 41 games for OB, 433 minutes and 33 games for Kevin Knox. And I guess the argument for Knox people is that, oh, he makes threes, but he's making so many of these threes are all of them in garbage time. So Yeah, did you like my tweet from the Strickland the other day? I didn't see it. What was it? It was uh since being pulled from the rotation. Let me pull it up because I don't want to speak out of turn here. <laughs> a Knox What's tweet or an OB tweet? It was a Knox tweet. Okay. Give me 20 seconds. It's just funny to me that everybody's talking about OB and Knox and people have it seems like people are slightly moving on from Neil Aquina. Maybe I'm wrong, but. I don't think so. I think that this season has been somewhat of a, you know, it's almost done, you know, I'd, I'd offer. Uh, and I think with that, people are kind of realizing that there isn't much left to fight for, you know. I mean, the- uh, I agree with Schwinn, you know, shout out to Schwinn, who was saying, like, guys like Kyrie Irving, uh, James Harden, like, Frank Neil Aquina has stopped these guys in the past. Like, yeah, and Schwinn was right on Macri's podcast. Yeah, that about Frank was right. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, I think uh, it's it's a little much that he hasn't been able to play when they've had no answer for guys like they did with Kyrie the other night. Uh, he should have gotten run, but you know, it's unfortunately it's uh, coulda woulda shoulda. So mm-hmm. Kevin Knox has played in 13 games since being pulled from the rotation at the end of January. Mm-hmm. The New York Knicks are 10 and three in those games. <laughs> <laughs> That's a low blow. <laughs> every, every reply is, oh, he plays a garbage time, you idiot. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the joke. Here's your head. Like, right <laughs> over. Oh, poor Kevin Knox, man. Every, He'll he have a role a, on an NBA team one day. It's not over for him. I'm confident in that. Uh, I guess. He does work hard, right? And he, he seems like – that's what – that's what everybody says. He works hard. He seems like a good kid. So it it would be surprising if he didn't catch on somewhere, get another shot. Yeah. It's gonna be gonna be interesting to see if he's even on the team next year, though. That that would kind of be surprising, I guess, even at this point. Yeah, I think it's uh I think teams will be interested in Knox for a, as a flyer. Um obviously rebuilding teams. I don't think anybody with a winning record is gonna be uh, making a making a move for Kevin Knox, um, but I could see some teams taking a flyer on him. You know, like uh, once the Washington Wizards inevitably implode, that would make sense. You know, you're not talking Minnesota about Minnesota Timberwolves. What's up? You're not talking about Bradley Beal, were you? Oh, oh, he'll never inevitably be gone. This. I think he gave them one more year. I love all the loyalty talk, but he's he's gone. No, I mean, no, I know that he's obviously eventually gone. But are you talking about? No, 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 no. Kevin Knox is not going to headline the Bradley Beal blockbuster, right? No, that unfortunately. Yeah, that's an RJ Barrett trade. I don't think. I think that's. Uh, I think it's just draft compensation. To be honest with you, I don't know Maybe. who they would be looking at. And I don't know how much salary the Knicks would have to send out. I have no idea how much salary. Knox would assuredly be in it, but he's not going to headline any, any blockbuster deal. Um, yeah, shouts to Kevin Knox. He's he's got a future in the NBA. Yeah, he definitely does. I agree with that. Speaking of uh, futures in the NBA, you brought up uh, Isaiah Thomas. Uh, before we started uh, on this show, and he had his debut last night. His, not his debut, but his first game back in, I guess, like a year. Right. So 
And for well, the Pelicans, his debut with the Pelicans, yeah, debut yeah. with the Pelicans, first game back in a year, he scored what like eight straight points, and he had a pretty good game. And you wanted to talk about him. I know you like him as a player. So I like uh, Isaiah Thomas, you know, as a human being. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. I think he's a good guy. He got a tough shake with the way things ended in Boston uh, with the Celtics. Uh, but that hip thing is just it was his uh, his ability to move and get up you know, into, into those, uh, crazy layups. Sorry, I'm looking at his, uh, stats, but yeah. his lack of mobility just takes everything away from what was, you know, attractive about him as a, a player. Um, uh, he's, he's too small. He's not going to be able to guard guys. We saw that with the wizards. That was enough. And he said that he was injured, but everybody says that they're injured, you know, when they, mm-hmm. when they come out and disappoint like that after coming off a big injury. Uh, but he had 10 points, two rebounds, two assists. Uh, for the Pelicans, uh, it was a plus seven in uh, 25 minutes. So for him to come out and play 25 minutes in the debut is also probably something that seems noteworthy. Uh, I think this ends with him signing a, a second 10-day contract and then inevitably finding his way onto a, a contender before the deadline, which I'm not completely aware of at the moment because of the extended season. So I think he does one more 10-day in, in New Orleans. Uh depending upon how the, the last couple of days of this shake out. But uh, it looks like he's I – mean, he, he's always been somebody that's been able to score, but it's the cost of his inability to do anything else. And he's no phenomenal passer. He doesn't have a great court vision. Uh, even in Boston that year, I think he averaged like maybe four or five assists. Um, without the scoring aspect, if he's not going to be able to go off like he used to in Boston, even if it's just on jumpers, if he's not going to be able to, you know, poke his way through defenses and, and find his, his pull-up jumper spots and hit open threes, and be able to go off for 15, 18 points, you know, on a given notice, then there's not going to be much of a, a market for him, you know, moving forward. And he is 30, I believe, right? Yeah. And he's, he's only played 84 games the last three years. Obviously, to your point about him being hurt yeah, all the time. That's it's, intense. Yeah. yeah. It's just, he's, he's it's 32. just a matter of at what, point is, at what point is enough enough. Yeah. It's it's depressing looking at his – he played 15 games in Cleveland, 17 in Los Angeles, 12 in Denver, 40 in Washington, mm-hmm. now obviously one with New Orleans. Um, yeah. So, with Boston, career high was six assists, six and a half. Yeah. And uh, I think he's just a body for New Orleans right now. On the team because they have he so is. many injuries. They do. But. They have injured guys. I know that Kira Lewis Jr. I don't mm-hmm. think is uh, healthy right now. Uh, Hard's out for the rest of the year, right? Hard is out for the rest of the year. Yeah, yeah so it makes sense. You know, uh, like I said, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him get a second 10-day, but I think that, you know, that'll expire. They're not going to sign him to a deal for the rest of the season. No, he doesn't I help them time. with what they really need. They can't stop anybody. Yeah. And that I was just reading about that. Hawks, something, Hawks something, win. build a wall, something, something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't believe it. a Stan Van Gundy team has that terrible of a defense. It's just yeah. pathetic to watch. The Hawks went 11 for 11 from three-point range in the third quarter in that game. It's and insane. that's – Jesus. They can't stop anybody. And, that's nuts. You know, I was not aware of that. Yeah, yeah. crazy. Zion yeah, so. scores – Zion just dominates every single game and it doesn't matter. And now with Ingram hurt, I mean, they, they just don't have – scoring power to keep up i think you're right i think he'll i think he'll play out two 10-day deals there and that's he probably knows he's hoping to catch on catch the eye of some contending team and try and Which, sign and there. i think look i think there's probably a place for him you know he's not gonna spend too much time on the floor obviously but he will probably be picked up after a second 10-day with new orleans provided that what we saw in that debut game is something that he's able to sustain. Now, he did shoot four for 13, but, you know, it's – he rattled off those first couple shots, and he, he looked pretty good. It was also uh, his first game in a year. So, he looked exactly. pretty good for a guy who hasn't played in a year. But, like, Portland. Like, would Portland pick him up? I'm sure. Denver, potentially bring him back. Uh, L.A. just got Rondo, so I don't know about that. Uh, maybe the Jazz would bring him in. I don't know. What about, a, what about a Celtics reunion? Because that's the one everyone's going to talk about. Yeah, it's, I don't know if that's somebody they want to put in the mix, though. There's a lot that goes with that, right? So you can't just – like every other team, they could just pick up Isaiah Thomas and just drop him in, right? But the, when the Celtics do that, there's an expectation. There's 
I mean, I, the expectation obviously being the biggest thing. And then the pressure that is on them right now to not be so shitty, yeah. I think, is is the bigger piece. And I don't think – typically teams make moves like that when they're riding high and not when they're down the lows where the Celtics are now and hopefully will continue to be in the coming hours as the New York Knicks get prepared to uh, take them on at TD Garden. Um, but shout out to Isaiah Thomas. Uh, I, love, I love seeing guys make a good comeback. Uh, DeMarcus Cousins looked okay in L.A. the other night. Uh, obviously wish nothing but the best for those guys. Uh, hopefully Ben McElmore gets a, a, a shot to, to play some time in LAL with the Lakers. Uh, I'm, I'm still waiting on the Jan Mahimi comeback. We got, we got Arisano Yusova. He's, he's in Utah, so now I just need the Jan Mahimi comeback, and, and my, day will, my life will be complete, rather. Where is Jan Mahimi? He is right nowhere. Now. He's got to be playing. He has to be playing basketball somewhere, right? I don't now. even think he's playing overseas. No, he was good at one point, or like good enough to get. I watched almost every Wizards game last season. Like he is a big body. He averaged like eight and six. Like why is he not on a team right now? Because he got paid. That he was one of those twenty sixteen. He averaged guys, right? over. He averaged over a block per game last season. Like I don't know in what realm that isn't enough. Like stats aren't everything. Numbers aren't everything. And he definitely had his share of time. Like he averaged 21 minutes per game, but like that's just their starting center last season. I don't, I can't comprehend. Like he's, he's a big guy. He's six eleven. He's 250 pounds at least. Uh, he is 34, but like for a guy in the twilight of his career, like that's not terrible. Like he can still move. Like I said, he averaged seven and a half. 5.7 rebounds, and then over a block per game last season. Almost a whole steal. I don't know why he hasn't signed on with anybody, and I can't believe that Dwayne Dedman got in before him. Um, I Dwayne Dedman can shoot. Dwayne Dedman has a jumper. But that's is, that why. What, is that what Miami needs? I guess that fits what they're doing. If, if, the, if it's a backup big contest and one big has a jumper and the other one doesn't, what big's winning? What big's getting signed? Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I'm just going to type, where is Jan Mahimi in Google right now? <laughs> I just put him at, he's currently a free agent is what it says. I'm sure he's trying to get signed. Dude, Kenneth Farid has been a free agent for how long? That guy was Probably. really good. He was, but he he already did the the comeback and, and try out. The comeback where? When uh, the Nets played, signed him for like a week? Yeah, he played in Brooklyn. He played in Houston. Um. But I think he's that's younger than Mahinmi, Farid. Yeah, I just – his game is so one-dimensional. And it's – you know, he's also older. How old is he now? 31. Kenneth Farid is 31, yes. I mean, yeah. what's the difference really? Uh, yeah, he played in Brooklyn and Houston that season. And that was – that was it. Um, yeah, Chelsea Young Mahinmi. I would love to see my man's back in the NBA. I think he deserves it. I – Shouts to John Henson, who's back in the NBA. John Henson. I forgot to bring up Henson, and uh, Norvell I, I assume you want to talk about Norvell Pell, too. He is. I, I have no, uh, no dog in the fight. Uh, I guess he, he seems like a seemingly decent shot blocker. But I love that he, he dislocated his finger or whatever, and he came right back in and blocked a shot. Yeah, it's, <laughs> but it's, you know, it's what he's doing in between those moments, and, and that's why he wasn't on it. He was playing on 10 days, you know, and that's why the Knicks were able to pick him up. Uh, Henson, I'll be surprised if he plays anything other than garbage time. I'd be surprised if he played, yeah. I don't, like insurance. at all. Yeah. yeah. I think he's just there. And they can't keep both. Uh, my money would be that they would keep Pell, obviously. Yeah, I think um, so. Yeah, we'll see. It'll be interesting. Big game tonight. Come on. Big game. All right, you want to make some predictions? Yeah, what you got? All right, obviously we'll, uh, we'll go with tonight's game against the Celtics. And then uh, you want to make, for the rest of the week too, we got Grizzlies on Friday and uh, Raptors on Sunday. Okay. Uh, you want to start with Celtics tonight? What do you think? Tonight, does Boston have everyone? They don't have Fournier, right? He's in health and safety. Fournier is in health and safety. I think that's it. It's in Boston. Uh, I would like to see the Knicks win. I don't think they will. I would like to see the Knicks win, obviously. But I do not uh, – I don't know if they're going to be able to get it done tonight. It would be a big win for them, 
That's all I'll offer. Um, where's the Memphis game at? The Memphis game. No, I just lost the. The Memphis game is at home. Okay, I like that. I like the Knicks. That's on Friday. Yeah, Memphis I like the Knicks. I like the Knicks over the Grizzlies on Friday, uh, and then I think they probably is the Raptors game at home. Raptors and Memphis are both at home. Yeah. There's an opportunity there. The Raptors are missing a lot of guys. Uh, I know that Lowry won't be playing. They're missing a number of guys for their matchup with the Bulls tomorrow. I don't know when those guys are expected to be back and how how shorthanded they'll be. Yeah, opportunity for the Knicks here. Uh, Imagine if they could string up three wins right now. There's no back-to-backs. You think they can? You're predicting they go three and zero, or you're? I'm predicting they go two and one. Two and one. Okay. I like two and one. Uh, any combination, I think they go two and one though. But uh, I think there is a, an opportunity, a chance for them to go three and zero. I'm going to keep it cool and, and, and PG and go two and one. But three games separated, no back to backs against teams that are either injured or just playing like dog crap right now. That's about as good as it gets yeah. at this time of year, especially when they've got a record – or not a record, a strength of schedule uh, that they're currently lined up for. Which the Grizzlies are 7-3 and three in their last 10. That's what I'll give them. But the Knicks at home, I like them over the Grizzlies. I wonder if Jaron Jackson Jr. will be back for that game. I know he's almost ready. I haven't seen anything about Jaron Jackson Jr. He's supposed to be like – he's supposed to be like uh, Carmelo Anthony to Houston on the one-yard line. <laughs> Shout out Frank Isola. Shout out Frank Isola. Frankie Ice. Um, I was gonna say two and one too, and I still think that I think they get the Boston game. I think the Raptors, like you said, have been playing terrible, and the Memphis game to me is just weird. You know, they they probably don't know Memphis very well, so I think uh, they haven't played Memphis this season. Yeah, exactly. And so there's something to that. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh I think two and one is a good pick though. I, I like I mean Toronto's terrible. I mean for for Toronto. They've they've been awful. And with no Lowry, I like that. Siakam's been weird and Ananobi's out too, I believe, right? Yeah, no OG too, yeah. Uh I like two and one. I think the Celtics game tonight is very winnable. I, God, I want to, I want to beat the Celtics so bad. I really in Boston too. That that's a huge win if they can win this game. I know Boston hasn't been playing well, but still in Boston. I think this all ties into to where Julius Randle is health wise too. He looked. Uh, he looked tired. He looks very tired. He looks yeah. very tired. He uh, looks tired, but what's the alternative? <laughs> like, what's the alternative to do with him? Like, at the, at this point, we know what Tibbs is going to do. He's going to keep playing him 38 to 40 minutes every single night. I'm telling you right now, too, I'm going to throw this out into the universe. I would not be shocked if Julius rested Sunday's game against the Raptors. You would not be shocked if that happened. Like a DNP rest. No, like a thigh, whatever, is ailing him right now. Out. That would stun me if that happened. I would not be. It's already happened once. Yeah, but he was – I mean, I think he was legit hurt. I think that's still laboring him, though. Uh, maybe. You might be right because he may – The Raptors game is going to be very winnable with everyone on board, Sands, Julius. So I would not be shocked by any means if Julius Randle uh, rested on Sunday, especially – if the Knicks win back-to-back games against the Boston Celtics and Memphis Grizzlies. Now they go 0-2. Obviously, he's 100% suiting up. Uh, but that would be a, a good rest opportunity for him against a shit Raptors team on Sunday after winning one or two games you know, out of their, out of their next two. Julius uh, Randle, resting on Sunday just like God. There it is. The and next, that's going to be the mic drop for me. That's a per- perfect place to end. Yeah. Right there. Beautiful. Colin Loring, thank you very much for joining me on this one, man. I really appreciate you coming on here with the Aaron Aflalo jersey. 
Absolutely. I, I really, I really appreciate you coming on, man. Thank you. Absolutely. 12.8 points, 38% shooting from deep. I'm just going to throw <laughs> that out there. <laughs> All right, Chip, Nick, hey, always a always Nick. a pleasure, man. Uh, yeah. I'll be back for sure. You know that. All right. You got anything you want to plug, Con? Uh, no, I mean, I'm writing every day. I'm blinking my eyes repeatedly like I'm being held under <laughs> duress. No, uh, yeah, find me uh, at Chloe Loring on Twitter, and I write for Heavy.com. Uh, you can find me under the author's page. I'm uh, covering the Chicago Bulls over there, doing a lot of work. And then, as always, uh, shout us out. Uh, see us at the Strickland. Follow us there. Uh, we got a lot of good stuff going on for all the Knicks folks out there. All right. Thanks, man. And thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll see you next time.